And I have seen this for lower income earners to high income earners. If that mindset piece isn't healthy, it's reflected in how we spend and earn money. Welcome back to Find Your Magic, the podcast where mental health and entrepreneurship meet. Today, we are talking about money, moolah. Money is super emotional. We don't often talk about money in the context of it being an emotional resource as well as a financial resource, which is why I am so excited to talk to one of my BYOB members, my Build Your Own Business membership, Wally Miller. Wally is a first-generation millionaire turned financial coach who works with millennials and Gen Z who want to begin building wealth but maybe feel overwhelmed by the thought of budgeting, saving, paying off debt. Lord knows that is super emotional. And who also don't want to sacrifice fun things in life. And I really love this conversation with Wally because she walks the walk. She spent her 20s living paycheck to paycheck, but then in her 30s, she really got serious and she figured out a sustainable way to gain control of her finances and going from an impulse shopper to an intentional spender. So this is really an episode for you if money makes you feel some type of way, right? And before we get into that, I do want to call out before we get into the conversation that next week on Monday, September 25th, the doors are going to be opening for my signature program, Copy Class. You can learn all about Copy Class at kelseyforemost.com slash copy class. You can get on the early bird wait list. And I want you to read everything on there, but essentially what copy class does is, you know, copy is just anywhere that there are words that represent you or your business and they're everywhere. You can't get around it. Even if you're not writing your own website, chances are you're going to have to write emails, social media posts, blog posts, and you need to know how to speak in your own brand voice, right? Whether you want to be a TEDx speaker or be on a podcast. There are certain things that you need to be able to write or speak to as a business owner that are much easier if you just know how to think like a copywriter. I teach all of that in copy class. It's four weeks long. There are live group coaching calls every Friday. Replays are always available. I am available as a coach while we're in copy class. I highly, highly, highly encourage you to check it out. Again, the website to do that is kelseyforemost.com slash copy class. Okay, back to money stuff. So this conversation with Wally was so eye-opening for me because money is very emotional. And it also is one of the facts that Wally dropped during this conversation that absolutely blew my mind was that our opinions and our habits around money are actually formed around age seven. And I came to realize, as you'll hear in the conversation, that money just wasn't really talked about in my family. It was just sort of a thing that was there or not there, right? So I really 
am looking forward to hearing from you. What did you get out of this conversation? What financial goals are you working towards? How do you feel about money? You know, I talk a lot about money and sales because I feel super icky about people who use money as a shaming tactic of like, if you're not making 10K months, then you're not enough. Like, I hate that. I have no patience for that. Because there's this thing about worth, worth versus money, right? So in this conversation with Wally, let's take a look at what are our spending triggers? What are things that are worth us spending our money on? And what goals can we be working towards so that we feel more free, we feel more space? Maybe you want to work towards being work optional, which is another term that's new to me that Wally dropped. Sounds great. Let's do it. And, you know, we're going to work towards these things together. It's not going to happen overnight. And who better to talk us through various steps that we can take or various questions that we can ask ourselves than an actual financial expert. So please welcome Wally Miller to Find Your Magic. I am so excited to have Wally Miller on the podcast today. Wally is the founder of Financially Thriving. And fun fact, she is also a member of my membership in BYOB. And a couple of months ago, we had the theme of how to pitch press and podcasts. And I was so impressed with Wally's pitch that she brought into our live coaching call that I was like, so do you actually want to come on my podcast? Because I love your pitch. Like, we should do this thing. So here she is. Wally, thank you for being on Find Your Magic. Thank you so much for having me. And I was not kidding when I said I've been a big fan of yours and followed you for a while, including when you had the breaks. Every time you came back, I was so excited to see the alert. So I was really excited when you started offering BYOB because I was also an original member of your copy class. I joined in 2020. So yes, uh, yeah. OG. And now, yes. <laughs> so now I'm excited to be here for sure. Oh, I love this. I love this. Okay. And this is such an important point to start out with, which is you never know who is watching. You never know who is following you. Sometimes as a solopreneur in particular, like if you're just doing it by yourself, it can feel so lonely and like you're just putting stuff out into the ether of the internet and you don't really know if it's landing with people like you might get a comment here and there, reviews or, you know, something might blow up on social, but that one-on-one -on -one personal connection, like you don't even know the difference that you're making in people's lives, which is super magical, but also really nice to make that connection later and be like, oh, wow, like it did matter. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And especially as, as you mentioned, small business owners. If you build your business, like most of my clients come from social media and I really don't look at the likes and things like that. I don't think any of my clients ever commented on a post that I did, yeah. ever sent me a DM. I think, like I said, I've been following you for a long time. I think I did direct message you one time. I DM'd you, uh, but that was probably a long time ago and just one conversation. But I've been watching for a long yeah. time. And that it's the same thing for me. Like the people who come on, 
and become my clients. I'm like, I've never heard of them. They've never commented, nothing. And then the people who comment the most don't become my clients. So funny. My God, that's so true, Wally. That's hilarious. It's so true. I've had people come to me as private one-on-one copywriting clients who I've literally never interacted with in my life. And they're like, yeah, I, I saw you on Instagram. And that's how they found me. And here's the thing. You don't have to have 10,000 followers for that to happen. Yeah. The point being is if you're sharing value, if you're sharing something that solves somebody's problem, they are going to find you because they will want to solve that problem and they will be searching actively for solutions. And this is like kind of digressing, but that's why social media, I think, is such a great tool for small business owners particularly if you are stumped as to how do I actually turn this information into money in the bank? Yeah. I mean, one other thing, I know we're like talking about business, but how can we not? I know, right? I think one of the things also is understanding like how quickly or how slowly your your followers become clients. Mm-hmm. And I think that realization of of knowing that the people who actually become a client isn't the person who found me yesterday and was inspired by one post. It's the person who's been slowly watching me over months and who's now trusted me with such a topic like money. Yeah. Right. So. I, you know, had to learn that. Like, it's not like one post that's going to like change somebody's life. It's not going to be one post that's going to convert them from a follower to a client, but people watch you. And that's why that consistency and showing up authentically, I know that's so overused, but it's so necessary and true. It's so necessary and true. The word nerd in me has said so many times, like, I need to find a better word for authentic than authentic. But it's the best word. It just is. You're so right. Oh, my gosh. So let's talk about what you just said, which is building trust over time, particularly because the topic that you talk to people about is money. And I'm just going to come out and say it. I think money is so, so intrinsically linked with mental health. People have deep fears beliefs, generational shit. Like there is so much that we don't even think about when we even start to think about money, right? So why don't we start there, Wally? Like what are some things that you see with clients who are like, I know I need help, but I don't know where to start? Yeah, absolutely. One of the most interesting things that I've read and learned was that our money habits are shaped between the ages of seven and 10. Wow, what? Yes, yes. So imagine that, right? You get your first couple of paychecks, your first jobs when you're 16, 18, college, right out of college, right? Right. And sort of like what happens, it's it's a seven, eight, nine, 10 year old learning how to manage money. When, When we think about what we observe, around money around that time, particularly for like millennials, right? Like most of us were in high school or middle school during the recession when parents were losing jobs and there was a lot of instability, right? So there's a lot of fear about losing money, earning money, what the purpose of money was. Keeping it. 
Yeah. And I don't know about you, Kelsey, but my parents never like sat down with me and taught, you know, taught me how to like balance a checkbook or how to pay bills. We just didn't have conversations around money. So what I learned about money and what most of us learn about money isn't taught to us directly. It's taught to us indirectly. Right. And so we observe it and then we absorb it. And then that becomes our relationship, the foundation of our relationship with money. that seven to 10 year old self and what was going on around that time. I think it's so important to call out that you just called it a relationship, Mm. right? It is not something that (laughs) when you think about the word relationship, you are relating to the thing. It is money is not just something that you have. It is something that you relate to. Mm. So I love This is blowing my mind because now, of course, I'm sure everybody else is doing the exact same thing. I'm going like, what was I doing at seven? Right. (laughs) And it's so true. Like my parents didn't talk to me about money. It just was there or not there at any given point. Like we could either do the thing because we could afford it or we just didn't do the thing. I think the first time... I ever really talked to my parents about money was in high school. My dad took me to open a bank account so that I would have like a history at the bank. Mm -hmm. And I remember I learned like what the deposit slip was. Zoomers, there used to be these things called banks that you would walk (laughs) into and you would bring paper checks that you had to sign and put a little deposit slip with. It was this whole rigmarole. Wow. And it's so interesting to think like how I feel about money now as a 36-year-old is so shaped by that seven-year-old Kelsey who wasn't, what it makes me feel in this moment, I'm like talking out like I'm with a therapist right now because essentially that's what you are, right? You're like a money therapist. (laughs) I am realizing that, oh, I often feel Like I don't know as much as other people or that I feel like I missed a memo somewhere about like, this is how you invest or this is what an IRA is or this is a 401k. I also had a non-traditional career path. So I feel extra behind. And I'm wondering now if some of that comes from the fact that my parents simply didn't really talk about money. So I, I didn't know anything. Yeah, financial literacy for sure is something that I wish was more available. So when we're thinking about everything from like, what is income? What is expenses? What are taxes? Like what you make hourly isn't going to be the paycheck. (laughs) Oh my God. The first time I had a real paycheck, I was like, I'm sorry, where's the money part? (laughs) Is this my tip? They're like, no, that's what you made. Yeah, exactly. Like where did 10, 15, 20% of my money go? Like it just like disappeared. So like a lot of these things, we, no one sits and talks to us. Even when you get a quote unquote real job, the human resource department or the benefits specialist will give you a stack of paper, say sign here, sign here. And there you go, like enroll in what you want. And you're like, what's a 401 what? I, I don't understand the language that you're speaking to me in, right? And like, let's add another layer. If your parents also didn't have a traditional corporate job, they may not even know what a 401k is, right? 
And so that was a lot of my, not only my experience, but so many of my clients' experience as well. Like I, I have not met one person, not, no person has come to work with me and saying, I have this financial thing in track, mm-hmm. right? And so financial literacy is a big component. I, but I do say that it's really, when we're thinking about managing finances, it's really the mindset over the map right? The math is simple. The math is one plus one equals two, two plus two equals four, right? So the math, the numbers, it's just the numbers, but it's what we think about the numbers, how we feel, how those numbers actually make us feel. That is where the the hard work of managing finances is. So yes, Mm -hmm. people will come to me and we'll deal with the spreadsheets and the calculations, but so much of my work is I have the heart of a teacher. So I hope to introduce my clients to new concepts about money management. But really, it's that money mindset piece. And of course, I know your audience is going to love that word mindset. Yeah. But a lot of people find that a little woo-woo. And it just means what is our reaction? How do we relate to money? What's the relationship with money? Um, And how do we interact with it, right? That is what money mindset is. And it's that it's so important. And I have seen this for lower income earners to high income earners. If that mindset piece isn't healthy, it's reflected in how we spend and earn money. That's so true. Some people I know who make five times what I make are in crazy debt, crazy debt. And it is truly, as you said, it's not the, about the math. It's not the, about the fact that they make five times as much as me. It's the fact that they have some deep, like, worth issues, right? So where would you recommend people start to start to maybe ask themselves some questions that could give them a little bit of insight into what their current relationship with money might be? One of the best questions that I ever heard, and I actually have this in a money mindset workbook um, that people can get if they go to my website, is if money were a person, what type of person would money be? Ooh, give me some examples that people have said. Yeah. So first of all, people don't think of it that way, Mm -hmm. right? And so some will say it's the loud, obnoxious person that just shows up and then leaves whenever they want. Wow. Right. So that could be a way that we think about money. Mm. It could be somebody who makes us feel anxious every time they're around. Mm. Right. Or when they're not around. Right. So it's really understanding, okay, what is the when I think about money, when I think about money coming in, when I think about money going out, what is the initial reaction that I feel? What's like that gut feeling that I have? when I think about money, right? If it's something that makes you smile, right? And you, they're just a joy to be around. You just love it because you know that's where the fun is coming. Or is it something that really make, makes you feel sort of overwhelmed and you rather not that person not be around you, right? Mm. And when we're thinking about money in that way, it also, again, is reflected in how we spend money and also how we earn money and what happens to money in our lives. Right. We were talking a little bit earlier about how kids between the seven, the ages of seven or 10, that's like the relationship we have with money. If you grew up in a household where, like most of us probably, where money really wasn't talked about 
with us, right? Maybe we right. overheard conversations or maybe parents said things like money doesn't grow on trees, mm. right? We don't have money for that. We can't afford that. But and then you don't have the other side of we can afford this, right? Money buys safety. It buys a roof over our head, food on the table, keeping the lights on. We can start to develop this thing, whatever, you know, whatever your reaction to that thing is, right? But we can develop this um, relationship with money where it feels negative, mm -hmm. right? Every time we're talking about money, it's about the lack thereof, right? Mm -hmm. We're that scarcity mindset. Very fear-driven. Honestly. Very fear-driven, right? And of course, as a seven-year-old, <laughs> when we think about what we're listening to and how that makes us feel, right, everything is a little bit more dramatic because you don't really truly understand that. But right. if that's never cleared up for us, we begin to have that ingrained in our, in, in, in us, right? Yeah. It becomes ingrained in who we are. Yeah, it's in our nervous system. It's like baked in to be triggered whenever money is on the table. And I loved what you said. I just want to call it out just as a couple of other maybe markers for people to think about where they're at. Because we, here's the thing, with mental health, with business, with everything, like you have to meet yourself where you are. And if you don't know where you are, you can't move forward, right? So I love that you said it's about like, how do you feel? What kind of person would money be? What do they look like? How do you feel when they're in the room? Do you feel anxious when they're there, when they're not there, et cetera? And then you also said, what are some habits that you may or may not realize you have around how you earn money and how you spend money? Like those two things are super interesting to me because as I said earlier, I had a very non-traditional career path for most of my adult life. I had feast famine, feast famine, where I would get like a lot of money for an acting job and then I would have nothing for months and months and months. So I sort of created my own little system where I would keep everything that I made and then I would pay myself a small salary out of my savings. But that has not served me as well now that I am making money in a more regular way. I still have that pattern of feeling like, oh, I'm only going to earn this much right now. So I have to hoard it. <laughs> and then my spending pattern hasn't evolved with my earning pattern. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, some people will come to me and they will say, I want to hire a financial coach because I just never want to have to worry about money. I never want to have to think about it. And I'm like, I'm not the financial coach for you. Like, wow. I don't know when you will get to that point where you're never going to be thinking about money. Mm -hmm. We always think about money, but it's how it makes us feel and how, what it does to our bodies, right? What it does yeah. to our minds and to our emotions. And so that is the piece that we want to work on, right? Like, okay, if we get an unexpected bill that comes in, how do we turn this to a simply an inconvenience rather than a crisis? Yeah. And so many of us are living in that survival mode, right? And it's like, okay, let's, let's go from just like, if I could just survive, right? Instead of just like surviving, how can I financially thrive? 
And what does that even mean to you? Right. When I heard of the, the term wealth, I like pictured like an old dude with gray hair smoking a cigar in a yep. velvet robe. Like <laughs> I had no connection <laughs> yeah. to the term wealth. And then I was like, OK, well, what what would my quote unquote rich life look like? What would my wealthy life look like? And I started off with the materialistic thing. Sure. But then I was like, actually, what type of relationships do I want to have? Right. What type of experiences do I want to have? Like if I had that, that would really be a good life. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I started thinking about what a good life meant to me, sure, some of those things cost money. Like I love to travel and I wanted to be able to do those things. But it's like, well, the reason why I want to travel is because I want adventure. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's like, okay, I want to have a life full of adventure. Right. And so really getting crystal clear about what is important to you. I tell my clients all the time, I don't care how you spend your money. Yeah. A financial coach who doesn't care how I spend my money, but I don't care. But what I do listen for is what is the type of life that you want to create? What's the Mm -hmm. lifestyle that you want to have? And let's use money as a tool to be able to design that life. Mm, I love that. Okay, so somebody comes to you and they... Actually, hold please. Question that is a little bit unrelated and a little bit of a pivot. What about debt? Because I think a lot of people, especially our age, like millennials, we've got student loans, we're like feeling like maybe we're never going to own a home. There's so many things that maybe we're paying off. Maybe we're already in debt. Can you talk about debt and the feeling behind debt and maybe share some tips for calming our nervous system around debt? Yeah. Debt is neutral. (laughs) Oh, say more. I like it already. (laughs) So some people have this thought that debt is bad. And we really need to challenge why it is that we think that because I there is once there, the way I like to describe it as is as productive debt and unproductive debt, right? Productive debt is buying a home with a mortgage and that house begins to build equity, right? Or perhaps you rent a room in your house or maybe you rent the whole house and you get some cash from, right? So this is productive debt. Unproductive debt is Paying for last month's expenses, right, today, right? And not really having a plan of how we're going to do that, right? And that comes with sort of the mindless spending Mm -hmm. and the impulsivity when it comes to shopping. So really, when we are thinking about debt, we want to be careful about calling all debt bad. Some of my clients will come to me with credit card debt and student loan debts and medical debt. And I had one client who just felt very overwhelmed with the number of debt, the amount of debt that she had. But when we broke down every single debt that she had, and she had about $20,000 on a credit card. And when we broke down where that $20,000 came from, it was because she paid for hospital bills that paid for her daughter's birth or, you know, for her labor and delivery. And it was like, let's think about the decision that you could have made at the time, right? If you could be debt-free right now 
and be out of debt without your daughter, would that be the decision that you would have made? What a perspective twist. And it's like, okay, we need to really understand what is it that when we're thinking about the debt that we have, like what did it give us? And Mm -hmm. sometimes what it has given us is an opportunity for higher employment or higher paying employment, right? So we're thinking about student loans. Yes, this country for sure needs to do something about medical debt and student loan debt and the cost of those things. A freaking mess. But when we're thinking about, okay, I didn't have parents who could cash flow or who could pay for my college out of pocket. I needed to take out a student loan or I chose to take out a student loan in order to further my career and to increase my hiring prospects and even the amount of money that I make. Earning potential. Exactly. I was searching for that word. Thank you. Um, That really increased my earning potential. Was that worth it? And some people will have regrets and they're like, well, I could have chosen something else. But most of us are like, yeah, I had to go into debt, but I'm making more money now and my earning potential is so much higher. Right. And so when we can really have perspective about what it is that what truly the debt is, it's really sort of it's a really important exercise to do. It's also important to think about in when we look at our credit card statements, right? When we begin to look at, okay, what are some of the habits that I'm ha- that I that I'm having, right? Like, what are some of the things that consistently come up over and over again in my credit card statements or my debit yeah. card transactions? Where am I spending the money? And understanding what those spending triggers are. Are we mm-hmm. shopping out of boredom? Are we shopping to celebrate? Are we shopping because we're sad and it makes us feel good, right? Like, like oh we- man, spending triggers that are shopping triggers. That is so real. That is so real. Gosh, Wally, I so I just had a conversation with a friend of mine the other day who we went to coffee down the street. And it's like this treat that I love to treat myself. It's an expensive ass oat milk matcha thing costs $7. It's ridiculous, but I feel like a queen every time I go. And so I just say yes, and I love it. And I've met my friend there many times. And the other day we met and I noticed that she just got like the cheapest thing on the menu. She got like an iced tea that I know she doesn't even like. And I was like, no fancy matcha today. And she was like, no, I'm really trying to get a handle on my spending. And we had this really deep conversation about she thinks she has like a shopping addiction. She's like, I feel depressed and I go to Home Goods, And before I know it, I've spent $150 on throw pillows I don't need. Or I just think like I'm, I'm depressed or I'm anxious and I think I'm going to get my nails done. That will make me feel better. So can you talk? Can we actually dig into this? Because I think this, especially for women, is a very common thing. And we don't really talk about it because we ha- we live in a culture of consumerism. Well, one of the things that you said was, I buy this very expensive drink. Mm-hmm. And the first question that I have for you is, who told you it was expensive? Uh, market research? <laughs> like, I, I can reasonably understand that $7 is a lot to pay for a coffee drink that's going to be gone in 10 minutes. 
But, but you said it made you feel like a queen. But it makes me feel like a queen. Yes. Right? Oh, we want to really be careful in the language that we use when we're talking. Oh, I'm called out. I'm called out, everybody. I'm sweating. <laughs> that, be, because it's one thing to sort of not realize where our money is going, right? When we say, I don't spend money. I don't buy the... Fa-, and like, how, how do we define that, right? I used to say this a lot. I used to say, but I don't buy the expensive jeans, right? I would never spend $200 on a pair of jeans. Never. But and then I had a closet full of jeans that, you know, like that I didn't even wear or didn't fit me right. And they were like 30 and $40 and I had tons of them. Right. So, yeah, I didn't buy the one $200 pair of jeans, but I had dozens and dozens of others. Right. And so we really want to understand what is it that we value and what is it? Are we choosing it because it brings us it truly brings us joy? Like mm. you said, it makes you feel really good. And I am not going to knock someone and say, okay, you need to cut out your $7 matcha tea, your <laughs> milk matchas, right? Like I'm not going to tell you to cut that out if it's the one thing that you spend money on, right? Mm. But if you're spending money on that, plus you're like, oh yeah, like six times a week, I'm like ordering, you know, Grubhub and Seamless and I don't even know what I ordered. Mm. And it was just because I felt like it. And then I, you know, rather than planning ahead and getting a bike or, you know, walking, I'll just grab an Uber because I didn't realize it was going to pour. Like all of these different things, right? So it doesn't matter how you spend your money as long as you're being intentional. And yeah, that is awareness. Where we want, right. And that is where we want to be thinking, right? The $7 coffee might be fine for you right. as long as you know that you could be spending seven dollars on something else and what would that something else be if you're like i don't know i probably you know would spend it somewhere you know like eating a bad sandwich somewhere <laughs> enjoy your coffee right enjoy your coffee as long as you're being intentional but it's the not knowing where the money is going and not really making intentional, thoughtful, mindful decisions about the money that causes the issues. Yeah. Right. Where we sort of have these wallet leaks is what I call them. I, My husband and I, when we were really thinking about what we valued, I valued travel and my husband valued food. And so we were like, OK, without decreasing the amount of money that we spend on food, we just became much more intentional about where we were spending it. So before, if we were spending three, $400 on takeout, and it was like, I don't even remember what I had for you know lunch two days ago. It was like, no, we are going to be intentional, do a little bit of research, figure out which restaurant we want to eat at. And that became much more memorable. Mm-hmm. And when you're being intentional about those decisions, then you feel the effects of that in your life as well, right? Versus, you know, again, buying the $30, $40 pair of jeans, most of them don't fit, you know, don't fit Why do well. we do that, Wally? Why do we do that? Why do we buy three or four pairs of jeans that don't fit instead of just buying the $200 pair that does? Why do we do that? That makes us feel great. For me, I think one of the things was that I, because I grew up in a lower income a household, right? We just didn't have the amount of money. It felt frivolous to spend money Mm. in that way, to spend it in like one shot, Mm. right? But making those two or $3 decisions, right? Felt better 
but I was making a lot of two, three, five dollar decisions. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was just really feeling. And for me, my spending trigger was out of boredom. And when mm-hmm. I felt really bad. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes I'd be driving down the road and I'm like going to go get gas. And I'm like, oh, Ross, Burlington Co-Factory, TJ Maxx, Marshall's, <laughs> trigger, trigger, trigger. Right. I wasn't going to Nordstrom, but I was going to Nordstrom Rack. And in my mind, it mm. was like an okay thing because I was trying to find a deal. And I love finding deals, right? Like, hey, how can I like, you know, make sure that I save money? But my saving money was just spending less so that I could spend more later. Mm, right. Yeah. Rather than truly saving money. And I think yeah. really understanding what those spending triggers are, right? Like, when you're going to go buy something, like I would do this at Target. I would go for to Target for the things that I needed, right? Laundry detergent and body wash and whatever the case might be. And then I would see a candle and I would see a pillow and I would see a curtain. And then $200 later, I'm like, why did I buy these things? Yeah, there's right. a reason that that meme went viral about, oh, yeah, I went to the Target dollar section and I left with $350 worth of the thing. I must have bought 350 things in the dollar section. No, it's so true. It's so true. And I, yes, spending triggers being boredom, spending triggers. There was something that I wanted to say. Oh, you said it felt frivolous, Mm. right? Same, same. There's this like shame that happens sometimes if there's something like even my seven dollar matcha latte i feel a little bit like oh people are gonna judge me for this but really i'm just judging myself Mm -hmm. right so how can we combat money guilt shame yeah go ahead oh my goodness but I love this topic. I wrote an article and it's talking about wealth guilt. And I will give you a very recent example. So I, my husband and I have been remodeling our apartment, you know, section by section. And now it's time to do the, you know, we did all the like remodeling the kitchen and the bathroom and all the big stuff. So now it's like all the, the fun stuff, right? The furniture, the decorating and all the home decor. And I hired a designer because I'm not really good at like putting things together. I barely know how to dress myself. So (laughs) they want to try to dress a whole apartment. And we made a list of things that would fit really well into the space and that I like. And so I said, okay, well, I want to save money for that. I don't want to go into debt for it. So let me save money for that. And I had reached that goal in October of last year. And what started happening was I picked a sofa that I've never spent. I hadn't bought a sofa in years. In New York City, um, I get it. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't (laughs) want a sofa in years. And when I came to see the price of the sofa, I was like, oh my God, $4,000 for a sofa. Whoa, but it was like beautiful. I loved it. I saw it. I went to the store like six times to sit on it, touch it, you know, pick the fabrics, all this stuff. Yes. So it was the one that I wanted. And I reached my savings goal in October and I said, okay, time to buy the sofa. And then I started putting excuses. Mm. I said, well, we have a puppy. Let me wait a few more months until he gets older. Well, you know, it's going to be the winter time in that New York City slush and, you know, the snowy and the rain. Let me wait until the, the weather gets better. Well, now the weather is better. But like I just put, kept putting all these excuses. 
And in May of this year, the designer sent me a message and she was like, oh, I'd love to see how everything finished. And I remember feeling like a little bit of shame and guilt. And I was like, oh, I never did any of the things that we had talked about. And I had to sit with myself and figure out like, what, why? Why was that yeah. the case? I was like, I had the money, right? It wasn't a question of like, oh, well, you know, you didn't have the money. You didn't want to go into debt for it. I was like, I had the money. And what I realized was that I had this thought that I could not afford it, mm. right? And it was this thought of it was a frivolous way to spend money. I Coming buy, back to what you said at the beginning, the mindset, not the math. It's the mindset, not the math. And I realized that that little thought in my head of that I could not afford it was creeping up again. And it wasn't true, right? And now it, was, it would have been different if I would have said, you know what? I just don't want to spend that much money on a sofa. Or I don't like the sofa anymore. I want to choose something different, but I love the sofa. And I will tell you, I ended up ordering it. And then when it came in, I was like a kid in a candy store. Mm -hmm. store and I was like, why did I wait so long to get this? But it was still that like mind piece work that mm -hmm. I had to, I had to sort of really get honest with myself about why I was delaying. And I will have clients who before would, you know, spend money on a vacation and then worry about the credit card later and then regret their vacation and have bad memories of the vacation because mm -hmm. they're like thinking about, you know, paying for this vacation for the next seven months, right? Right. And so when they begin creating these savings goals and then finally have the lump sum to like spend on vacation, they really struggle with spending it. Wow. Right? And it's because they've never seen that much money before or planned for it. And it just feels different. Yeah. And so we really want to, you know, money management is an acquired skill. It's not something we are born with. It's something that we have to really work on and learn, right? And if our experiences with money, again, number one, are shaped when we're really, really young, we have to understand, like, what was it that was happening when we were young? And then as we get older, we start having, you know, big money problems, right? We start seeing credit card bills come, perhaps, especially when you're in college, like there's not a whole lot of income coming in and there's like expensive, there's expenses that are really starting to add up when you first get your first paycheck out of college or out of school. And you're like, wait a minute, hold on. I'm supposed to pay for rent and this and that. And how am I going to get there? You know, it can really start to feel overwhelming mm -hmm. and we can either really avoid, which is one of the most common behaviors that I see is just we don't totally. think about it. We don't want to look at it because we know <laughs> yeah. that it's not going to, we don't have a solution for it. You know, we don't want to see it because it can make us feel worse. So we just want to be aware of when we're thinking about money and when we're interacting with money, how is it making us feel and why? right? We may not have a clear understanding of like, I don't know why every time I feel bad, I want a shot. We may not know exactly why, but just knowing that when you feel bad, when you feel sad, or even when you feel happy and you want to celebrate, if there's a certain thing you want to purchase or a certain thing you want to experience, maybe it's, you know, every time I get a raise, I want to go celebrate, right? Or there's lifestyle creep, right? There, that's the term that as we increase our income, we begin to increase our lifestyle or inflate our lifestyle, mm. right? And it's like, why? Why 
you know, just like the question that I asked you, why are you saying that that matcha, that $7 matcha is expensive, right? Is it because you would rather be putting that money somewhere else, right? That's one thing. Hmm. Or is it because you feel, and you mentioned this, you feel other people's perception of you might change because Mm -hmm. this is something that you enjoy. Yeah. Right. So we just want to really be be aware and understand why is it that we're doing the things that we're doing and understanding if those are really truly our thoughts or is it an outside influence? Yeah. Uh, Wally, this is such good stuff. This is such good stuff. And I know that we could keep talking for eons. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but I do want to let people know about two things. One, you are a one-on-one coach. So if people are like, oh my gosh, this is me. I need to understand my triggers. I want to talk about building wealth. I want to talk about getting out of debt. Like you are their girl. So guys, you got to go to financiallythriving.com or hang out with Wally on Instagram at financially underscore thriving. But she also has, and I'm going to get my ass on the wait list, for the Retire Early Boot Camp. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Oh, yes. Okay, whether or not you want to say retire early or be work optional, it's this idea Ooh, work that- work optional. Oh, <laughs> I love this. Work <laughs> optional, yes, please. Yeah. So when we're thinking about financial independence, it's essentially when we have enough passive income coming in, that work becomes optional, right? Or you can essentially retire early. So there is actually a movement called the FIRE movement. Have you heard of this acronym? No, tell me. Okay, so FIRE stands for Financially Independent Retiring Early. And I'm actually one of those people. For my 40th birthday, I said I was going to retire from my nine to five. Hell yeah. And I not do a resignation letter. I said I was retiring because I am now work optional. And it was very, it, it was very satisfying. <laughs> yeah, I freaking um, bet. <laughs> but one of the things that, you know, we mentioned earlier, the whole definition of wealth, right? So many of us can't even think about being work optional. We can't even think about retiring early um, because we're just dealing with, and we're still in survival mode when it comes to our finances. And so once you have those that foundation in place and really learning that there are simple ways that you can be building wealth and that can provide you for the life that you want, you then are essentially retired early. And this whole idea, and I think millennials started this and Gen Zers for sure are running with this idea of like, who said 65 was the age of retirement? Yeah. Right? Age uh, Retirement isn't an age, it's a number. And through financial independence and wealth building, you can really define when that number is the right number for you. Mm. Oh, I love that. Okay, so if people want to get on the wait list for when this opens again, they just go to... Yeah, they can go to my website, financially thriving forward slash join or financially thriving.com forward slash join and you can uh, get on the wait list. It's a bootcamp that I host a couple of times a year. So right now we're closed, but it will be opening soon. And as soon as it opens, uh, you'll get an email um, to join that uh, retire early bootcamp. Sweet. Well, Wally, gosh, I have so much to take to my therapist and to my banker. So thank you. (laughs) 
Thank you so much, Kelsey, for having me. I'm so excited to have been a part of this conversation. Oh, my goodness. Of course. And you guys, all of these links will, of course, be in the show notes and on social media. You can find me at KelseyFormos.com and at Kelsey.Writes on Instagram. Thanks, everybody. Take care. All right, y'all know I'm about to ask you to subscribe to Find Your Magic on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you found us today. It truly helps podcasters pay their teams, find better guests, and give you good content. So if you want to hear more conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship, be sure to subscribe to Find Your Magic and leave us a review. Thanks for being here. Now go out there and find your magic.